We are looking this morning at the song of Mary, Luke chapter 1 and verse 46. Now, we've looked at three songs out of four. This is the third song. There's a, there's a fourth one. It's the song of Simeon that we won't get this time around. Um, but what we're looking at is the, is the songs. First of all, there was the song um, <clears throat> that the uh, Elizabeth song. And there, sorry, uh, <clears throat> Ezekiel. Um, <clears throat> Anyway, the, we're looking at three songs, and we're looking at Mary's song today. Now, Mary's song is probably the most important of them. It's called the Magnificat, and the names that they were given were just given to them from the first verse, basically, uh, of what they said. And Mary's thought was to magnify the Lord. My soul doth magnify the Lord. And as we were singing this morning, you know, uh, you could sense that uh, two things kind of hit me. Uh, first of all, we've been singing these songs all now, all the way up to Christmas, and it's like been a practice uh, for today. But the other thing is that for the believer, there is that lifting of our spirit on this day as we remember the birth of a Savior. And there's that praising and magnifying the Lord that is just natural for us. It's not something forced. It's not something we have to do. It's just there for us. And that's the way worship is supposed to be. Worship is a very important part of life. Uh, for the believer. Uh, it's something that we need to, uh, sometimes we, we, we can make it a tag on to the real meat of the word, but it's not that. It's, it's a very important part uh, of, of life for the, for the believer. And it needs to be more than just on a Sunday morning. It needs to be that through our week we worship, that regularly that comes. Mary wasn't in church when she sang this song. Now, it's got a lot of... Um, <clears throat> resemblances to the um, <clears throat> Psalms. Obviously, Mary was versed in the Psalms. She's a simple girl, but she's well-versed in the Psalms. So when it comes to writing this song, uh, when it comes to her saying what's on her soul, and I really think what it is is it's the overflowing of her soul. Remember <clears throat> that every Israeli, every Jewish girl hoped, dreamt, but it really wasn't possible, maybe, that they would be the one that would give birth to the Messiah. Because it's very much part of their lives that the Messiah was coming. It was very much part of the reality of their lives that the Messiah was coming. So, so every Jewish girl kind of thought, could it be me? And Mary finds out that she's the one. She's the one that's been chosen for this. Now, we're going to look at uh, why she might have been chosen. We're going to look at uh, why she might have actually been, been, uh, been the one. And, and, and it's very simple why she was the one. I, <clears throat> but Mary is chosen as the one uh, to be, bear the Savior into the world, and her soul just explodes. And that's what we see in the Magnificat. That's what we see in this uh, song that Mary sang to the Lord. So let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll just read through it. Father, would you bless us now this morning, Lord? Uh, Lord, we love you, and we thank you for this Christmas time. We thank you for the blessings that you've poured out upon us. And, oh, Lord, we, we thank you for the joy that's in most of our hearts this morning, Lord, as we remember uh, the fact that a Savior was born, as we remember the fact that eternity is secure, as we remember the fact, Lord, that our lives are planned and, and helped and that you're there and your presence is with us. And now, Lord, we come to you this morning and we do ask you, Lord, Lord would you do work in our hearts even in these moments, Lord? Would you give us something that will carry us uh, through this Christmas season as we remember the reality uh, of what you did and, and this woman that you used? Bless us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
All right, Luke chapter 1 and verse 46. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, for he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things and the rich he hath sent empty away. He hath holpen his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And then Mary abode uh, about three months and returned to her own house. But first of all, Mary said, her soul doth magnify the Lord. Do you know that feeling? Do you know that feeling, those times when your soul just kind of overflows in worship to God? That's supposed to happen for us. That's supposed to be a real thing for us. We have a relationship uh, with the creator of the universe. We have a relationship that's very close. He's our dad. He's our father. Uh, Romans says he's our Abba. That, that close daddy relationship. And our souls from time to time are supposed to just overflow. Might overflow when you see something in nature. Might overflow when you see a baby and see the, uh, the, the, the wonderful workings of God uh, in that little life. Uh, might overflow in a dark time when, when there's pain but you sense his presence. But our souls are supposed to overflow. We're, supp- we're supposed to regularly come to that place. Where there's just that overflowing now. Mary's got a super reason for an overflowing soul right now. Uh, she's been told that she's going to bear the, uh, the Savior. Now, it wasn't without cost to her. It wasn't that it wasn't going to uh, have a price tag on her uh, for her. You know, first of all, she was going to have to face Joseph. And how do you tell your husband to be, well, I'm pregnant and it's, it's, it's of the Holy Spirit, so don't worry about it. Uh, you know, that, 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 that wasn't going to go down quite well. And Joseph... To be fair to him, was mindful, the Bible says, to put her away, to just say, look, call the whole thing off. Um, <clears throat> if you've been with somebody else, uh, let's call, call the wedding off. And, 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 and he had a dream, and the dream told him, no, don't. This child is of the Holy Ghost. But she faced the real prospect of losing the dream of a home that she was going to have, and a, and a family, and a husband. Right? But <clears throat> not only that, but she took on something with no idea all that it was going to cost her. Simeon's song is the last song, the one we're not going to get to look at. But, but Simeon says this to Mary. He says, Mary, and a sword shall pierce through thine own spirit also. Do you know that Mary was going to go through the most horrible thing any mother can think of going through? She was going to watch her son hang on a cross and give his life. She was going to watch as they so cruelly treated him. She was going to watch what was such a reversal because he was the son. He was, he was God. He was, he was going to change it all. And, and she was going to have to watch the lifeblood flow from his body and for him to die. Mary was going to <clears throat> put herself in God's hands, but you know, over all of that, for this, in this moment, rang this thought. God has blessed me. And her soul overflowed. 
You know, we can't deny the fact that this is a broken world and hard things happen. But there ought to be those moments when our souls just magnify the Lord. When we just get caught up in the glory of it all. Do you know that one day, you and I are going to wake up in heaven? I was thinking about this the other day, the the 21st, the the shortest day of the year, and it felt really short, right? I, I was thinking about this, you know, one day we're going to wake up in heaven. And that's going to be the first and only morning in heaven we'll ever experience. Because it never gets dark. It never gets dark. There's never a dark day in heaven. Uh, Because we're his, our souls can rejoice in the fact that, yeah, you know, there are tough things in this life. But he's with us. And not only that, but one day we're going to go to be with him. Does your soul rejoice in God? Does your soul... Magnify the Lord. Does your soul from time to time just just cut loose and lift up and magnify the Lord? Don't wait to do it in church. Wherever it happens, listen, do it. And you don't have to sing out loud. Wouldn't be a bad thing for you to sing out loud. Uh, But just magnify the Lord. Lift him up because he is great. He is great. The second thing she says, though, is this. Uh, and we need to catch this because of our age and because of the country that we live in. And my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. Do you know that Mary needed a Savior? Now, we're told, I was raised in a tradition that said Mary didn't need a Savior. She was sinless. She was perfect. She had never sinned. But Mary knew that the baby she was going to bear would be her Savior would be the ones... She understood that. There was no, you know, no deception for Mary in thinking, you know what, because I've been chosen like this, uh, I am above sin and above reproach. Because you know, the, the, the Old Testament says there's not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Nobody. The New Testament says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everybody has sinned and come short of the glory of God. Mary included she knew she wasn't perfect. She knew she wasn't sinless. You know, if, if, if it took being sinless for God to be able to use us, he couldn't use any of us. None of us have anything to offer when it comes to being sinless. That's just not the reality of who we are and of the lives we live. And Mary was the same, but God sent a Savior. What did it mean to say Mary? What well, meant for Mary that the baby she was going to bear would be the one that would save her from her sin and give her a home in heaven. Now that's complicated, isn't it? That is complicated to get in your head. But that's, that's exactly what she was facing up to. She was facing up to that reality. And she was rejoicing in God, her Savior. And then look. <clears throat> For he that is mighty had done great things Sorry, verse 48. For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. I'll give you a couple of thoughts about this. And I think this is a key thought in the Magnificat that we're reading. And I think it's also a key thought in the life of Mary. And I think it's a key reason why Mary was used. She says, he has exalted, he has regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. Do you know that Mary was humble? <clears throat> One of 
of the tragedies of Catholicism is that they've taken away the humility of Mary and replaced it with something entirely different. And listen, that's, that's not, not, shouldn't, shouldn't strike us as strange because the enemy always wants to uh, somehow put a deception in that's going to overturn what's important to God. You know, what was important to God? The clear picture was Jesus, my son, your savior. But Catholicism has thrown into it that, kind of, well, Mary's kind of, uh, <clears throat> kind of part, part of the salvation type thing. And she's not. He hath, she was a <clears throat> maiden of low estate. She was a humble girl. You know, we see her humility in, 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 um, <clears throat> as she responds to the angel uh, a few verses previous to that, in verse 38. Uh, And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. Listen, I have no doubt that Mary had plans of her own. She was getting married. We've just been through a wedding in our house. Uh, People who are getting married have plans. Uh, They have plans for weddings. They have plans for the day. They have plans for life. They have all kinds of plans. You know, Mary had plans. She She was a woman. She was a young woman. Teenager, but do you know she had plans? Yeah. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> she had plans for a life, for home, for children, for everything, just, just like we do. And yet when the angel comes and tells her that she's going to have the baby Jesus, she says, be it unto me according to thy word. It's God. So the two things we see here about Mary is that she was humble, and she was submissive to God. Now, she may have been very beautiful. The Bible doesn't say that, though. She, she may have been clever. The Bible doesn't say that either. She might have been witty. She might have been musical. She might have been strong. But the Bible doesn't say any of those things. The Bible doesn't count on those things at all. But it does very clearly tell us that she was humble and she was submissive. And you, you have to ask yourself, is that not why God could use her? Because she was humble and she was submissive. Because she was somebody who didn't have any illusions about herself. Who didn't build herself up. Who didn't want to think more highly of herself than she ought to. She was a maiden of low estate. And God stepped in and, and God lifted her up. She was someone that God could come to and God would say... <clears throat> And she would say to him, be it unto me according to thy word. Now, let's think about those, those two qualities for a moment. They're rare qualities, aren't they? They're very rare. I mean, we'd like to think that we, uh, we have them, wouldn't we? We'd like to think that we were humble and submissive. But you know what? In an age that glorifies self, it's very hard for us to be humble and submissive like that. Now, <clears throat> When we talk about Mary being humble and submissive, there was a dark side to that. She was going to face a life where, you know, before the baby was two years old, they were going to be on the run from Herod. They were going to have to flee to Egypt. She she was going to be a refugee from Herod. That's what she was going to be. Uh, they were going to come back and they were going to uh, live in Nazareth. The baby obviously was going to be born uh, in, a, in a stable. Um, 
She was going to live a life where as soon as he became, he went public and became known, she was under pressure and he was under pressure and she watched her son rise in fame. She watched the aggression of the leadership towards him and she was going to watch him die. You know, her agreeing to be submissive to God was going to be costly. But you know... <clears throat> When we're submissive to God, there's a cost. But do you know that the reality is, alongside of the cost, there's the presence. Can you imagine what it was for Mary to watch Jesus grow? To watch him when he went into the temples, and when he went into the temple, and the, the uh, priests were just amazed at all that he could say and all that he could answer them. Can you imagine... How, how she watched him grow and she watched him to relate, relate to his siblings. Remember, he was sinless. Not just in public, he was sinless at home too. So mothers, how would you like that? How would you like a child that never did anything wrong? A child that never actually uh, upset their brothers and sisters for the fun of it. A child that uh, never hurt anybody. Uh, <clears throat> how would you like that? A child that never told a lie, ever. Um, he, he would have been an amazing child to raise. I, I would think he was probably a difficult child to raise. Because how do you raise God? How do you raise somebody who knows everything? And I think his spirit uh, of submission would have helped in it, but I think it would have been difficult for her. But when Mary signed up, when Mary said, be it done unto me according to thy word, what she was saying is whatever you want. Whatever your will for my life is. And you know what strikes me about that? That's freedom. Because you and I can fuss and fight and have our plans and try and make them happen and try and make things happen uh, for ourselves and try and <clears throat> achieve our plans. But you know, in the end, we really can't do it. But when we come to that place where we say, Lord, be it done unto me according to your word. Or whatever you want. But when we put ourselves in his hands like that, when we yield ourselves to him and let him have his way in our lives, yes, that's the best life we could possibly have. There's not a better life than that. There's not a better life. You taking and running your life could never be as good as that. When we take, when we come to that place where we yield ourselves, like Mary yielded herself to Jesus, you know... <clears throat> That's the sweetest life of all. Listen, there will be hard things. But it's a sweet life. And I think if we look at Mary this morning, she was humble and she was submissive. And if you and I can be that way, if you and I can yield to God and let him work that out in us, we can be people that have an impact upon our world. Not because I'm having an impact on my world, but because he can then take and use you to touch the world around you. Just simple. Humility and submissiveness. Um, also, Mary feared God. Look what she says, though, in verse 50. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. What does that mean to you? Do you want God's mercy? You need God's mercy. 
Do you know there's enough trouble in this world coming your way that you can't even see right now? Uh, you're going to need God's mercy. That's just the way it is. You're going to need God's mercy. Yeah, if, if we would just think about it, we need it every day. And God works in the economy of mercy. And she says his mercy is on them that fear him. Now, what does it mean to fear him? <clears throat> you know, I, I don't think we're supposed to quake and, and fear. I, I think there are times when we should. When we're going our own way and do our own, doing our own thing, I think we should probably quake and fear during those times. But I think for the person that's walking with God, it's, it, it's this thought. Lord, are you okay with my life? Lord, are you okay with me today? Are you okay? Anything I'm doing that you're not pleased with, Lord? Because I want to please you. I want you to be happy. <clears throat> that we fear his displeasure. That we fear grieving him. That we don't want to do anything that's going to cause him to be upset with us. Why? Because we love him, first of all. But secondly, because he's in charge of everything. Nothing's going to happen in my life today, tomorrow, uh, this year, or next year in 2019 that he's not in charge of. And I need his mercy in all of it. I need him to be involved in it and to bless me. You see, the deciding factor in my life is not how bright I am. The deciding factor in my life is not how strong I am. It's not how talented I am. It's not how much money I have. The deciding factor in my life is his smile. That's it. His smile. And you know what? When I understand that, when I understand that he is in charge of all of it, and I live my life looking for his smile, that's the best life I can have. God's mercy was on them that fear him. And then she said, too, that she was exalted, that all generations would call her blessed. And don't we? Don't we look back? Doesn't every generation since Mary, there's, there's a group of Christians somewhere, and they look back and they say, she is a blessed woman. Why? Because she bore the Savior. So here she is, this humble, submissive girl who's got all her own plans. And an angel comes and says to her, Mary, you're going to have a baby. This baby's going to totally change your life, and not just your life, going to totally change the world. But you're going to be caught up in the vortex. You're going, to, you're going to be there with him through all of it, and it's going to change everything for you, Mary. And what does Mary say? No, I'm not ready for that. Now, give me some time to think about that. Mary says, Be it done unto me according to thy will. And because she did, because she humbled herself and accepted what God had for her, You know what God did? God gave her a name among the great people of the earth. There's not a woman, arguably, that's got a greater name than Mary. There's not a woman in history that's got a greater name than Mary. There's not a woman that's had a greater impact. We need to be careful, by the way, in that when we stand against the error of saying that she is almost God, that we don't forget to say, no, she is blessed. She is a woman that's given a name. She has a woman that's been given a position. And God gave her a name. And then she says this. She says that he has scattered the proud. Now, what does it mean to be proud? The independent, the self-dependent, appearing above others, people who are doing it by my power. 
You know, if we were to look for, for uh, an illustration of the proud in her day, we'd obviously come to the Pharisees pretty quickly. Now, the Pharisees were religious. The Pharisees, according to their own picture of things, were holy. They, 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 they lived right, and they did right, and as far as they were concerned, they kept the law. That's what they did. That's what, what, what they worked on. But you know, they were proud and arrogant too. Here's what they thought. We're the good guys. And because they were the good guys, and Jesus didn't line up with them, they were the good guys, and he was the bad guys. That's pride. But do you know that we can so easily succumb to that? We can so easily succumb to the idea that we're the good guys and they're the bad guys. And we become proud, we become lifted up, we become independent, self-dependent, we think we're above others. That's foreign to Christianity in the heart of it, and yet, you know, it's so common in Christianity. We're not the good guys. For us to be the good guys would mean that we had our stuff together and we were better than them. We're not the good guys. I stand before you today as a pastor, as a preacher. It's not because I'm a good guy. Because I was a sinner on my way to hell and Jesus stepped in and pulled me out of it and said, now listen, if you let me, I'll use you. How does that make me a good guy? You're not a good guy. And so often that's where we end up. We end up feeling we're the good guys and the other guys are the bad guys. We get it right and they get it wrong. And immediately that thought comes in. What happens for us is we step into pride. And do you know, there's few things, maybe nothing, that grieves God like pride does. These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him, and the first one is a proud look. And the problem with pride is we're so susceptible to it. And you know what he says? Mary says, God has scattered the proud. And do you know, he's done that all through history. He's always taken the proud and brought them down. In fact, he says to Job, when he's, when he's finally enlightening Job as to who Job is and where Job, where Job is at, he says to Job, uh, he, he says, um, can you abase everyone that's proud? And the, the, the idea there is that God takes and God uh, brings down everyone that's proud. Uh, Zechariah 4, 6 says, uh, then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord from Zerubbabel, say, from Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And when I think it's my might and my power, I miss out on the real power. Uh, he scattered the proud. Uh, he put down the mighty from their seats. Nebuchadnezzar was a great king. Nebuchadnezzar ruled his world. Nebuchadnezzar, there was nobody that could stand against Nebuchadnezzar, and he, and he got a bit above himself after a while, as we, as we tend to. And he began to think that, that, you know, he was the man. And I'm sure people <clears throat> bowed down to him, and people built him up, and people told him all how wonderful he was, but, you know, Nebuchadnezzar 
had been put in his place by God. Let me read you what he says himself in Daniel chapter 4, verse 34. And at the end of days, after he had spent seven years in a field as a a cow, and at the end of the days I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and my understanding returned to me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, What doest thou? You know that God rules in the world in every facet of it. You know, we're coming to the end of an, end of an year. Now, one of the things we do over Christmas time, isn't it? We, you know, once the, the eating and the fun and all is over, is we, 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 we tend to think back on, on the year that's been. And, and we make our plans for the year that's to come. You know, we look back on the things that happened in 2018. We look back on, you know, how life has dealt uh, with us and, and how we've re- reacted to life, and we tend to make our plans. Listen, let me plead with you. Your plans need to be God's plan for 2019. You need to live in this coming year looking to what God would have you do. First of all, because you can't actually make your plans happen. He can. And secondly, because even if you could, your plans are not the best. Your plans are not the best. They're not the best. You can go a long way down the road with your plan and find it was the wrong way to go. But when you come to the place where, like Mary, you humble yourself and you submit to him, And you say, be it done unto me according to thy word. Lord, you have it your way in my life. Lord, you do what you want in my life. What happens is, not all the problems go away, but you have his presence. And you have his power. And now you're working with him in his plan in your life. And his plan is the best plan. And his plan is the one that's going to actually take you to the best place. And his plan is a long-range plan. He's planning an eternity for you. He's planning a day that's great for you. And when you say, okay, Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word, just like Mary. Whatever's coming your way is part of that good plan. And, you know, if we were to ask Mary today and say to her, so, Mary, you know when you were a kid, 18, 17, 18, 19 years old, and the angel spoke to you, and you you said in your innocence, not knowing what it meant, not knowing what it would cost you, you said in your innocence, may it done unto me according to thy word. Would you say it again, Mary, if you were put back there? You know what Mary would say? She would say, oh, yes. Oh, yes. That was the best choice I ever made. To yield to God. To humble myself before Him. And to let Him have His way in my life. Listen, we're in the cusp of the year. One year's passing away and a new year's coming in. You know what? For us to say, as Mary did, Lord, be it unto me according to Thy word would be the best 
possible plan for a new year. That's time for prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for this morning and for your word, and we thank you for Mary and for the wonderful song that you put in our heart. Now, blessed spirit of the living God, would you work it in our hearts? Would you deal with each one of us? Would you put us in that place of sweet humility and submission to you, that we might know the best life here, Lord, and a great eternity? Bless us, we pray, and bless this day in Jesus' precious name. Amen.